Now, today we are wrapping up the Who Needs God series. Has this series been helpful to you guys? Have y'all enjoyed uh, this series so far? Man, this has really been... uh, It's been a great opportunity to just create a safe space to wrestle with some of the biggest questions of our faith and of our spiritual lives. And today we're wrapping up the series. This is going to be the last weekend that we do this. And so before we get into the actual content of what I want to talk to you guys about today, I want to make a request. I want to ask you to do something uh, that might be very difficult. I want to ask you for about the next 20 minutes that we have together to just consider being really, really honest with yourself. And I'm not talking about the surface level, I'm talking about taking a deep dive and being brutally honest with yourself. And this isn't easy, I know, because every time I really take a look in the mirror, every time I really introspectively look at my life, there's almost always something that needs to change. There's always someone I need to apologize to, there's always hard things. But I wanna ask you to consider today getting really honest, and the reason that we need to get so honest today is because we are actually going to answer the question of who needs God. We are gonna try to get down to the root cause of why many people struggle with Christianity and ultimately struggle to believe in God. And so I hope that you will join me today with some brutal honesty as we continue, and before we get to that, I'm gonna just pray quickly and ask God to help us God, we, uh, we thank you for loving us. I ask that your spirit would come and would communicate to our hearts exactly what it is that we need to hear. I ask that your spirit would just guide me in my words and that your presence would be felt and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. And the reason that we're doing this series is because as we're looking at what is happening, not only in our country but across the world, there's this growing movement called New Atheism. And it isn't necessarily people who are militant against the idea of God. There's just an increasing number of people who, when they are asked or when these nationwide polls come out, they simply check that they are not affiliated with any religious or any spiritual experience at all. They're simply non-believers. And so when we look at the majority of ammunition that Atheists, people who are actively trying to discredit the idea of God, when we look at what they have used to try to do that, we see that the majority of their ammunition comes from the scientific community. And this isn't probably news to anyone. For a long time, growing up, it seemed like science and God were incompatible for some reason. But if you really think about it, for those of us who do believe in God, if God created everything and science is simply exploring the world around us, then they should in fact be compatible. It's what we've been showing in the series. However, Atheists for years and years have tried to take science and to use it as ammunition against the existence of God. However, when you really dig in and look at how they are using science, you find that it is quite lacking. In fact, the reality is the atheist is using science, they're using it in a way where they're constantly guilty of doing the very thing that they accuse religious people of doing to prove the existence of God. You see, what this looks like is they accuse religious people of having what is called the God of the gaps. 
The God of the gaps means that when a believer is trying to make their case for the existence of God and they come to a gap in their knowledge or a gap in their understanding, they will fill it with God. They'll just say, well, God did it. God is all powerful and miraculous. It's just the mysteries of God. The problem is that the scientific community, when they try to disprove the existence of God, is doing the very same thing. If you think about it, things that have stood as scientific fact for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years can be disproved in the blink of an eye with one key discovery. Science is full of its own gaps and they have their own gap fillers. And so when they come to a gap in their knowledge or their understanding, they might say something like, natural selection did it. It's just survival of the fittest, macro-Darwinian evolution. It's the mysteries of science. You see, the problem is that there are gaps. And the reason that I bring it up is because both sides are trying desperately to fill gaps to prove or to disprove the existence of God. And what this really means and why it matters to our conversation today is that whether or not you're making a case to believe or to not believe in God, it takes faith. The same way that a believer has faith that God exists, a non-believer is filling in their own gaps and is exercising faith to try and believe that God, in fact, does not exist. A great example that I've seen of this recently is from a guy named Thomas Nagel. Uh, Thomas Nagel is a highly educated professor at New York University, and he's a self-proclaimed atheist. Years ago, he wrote a book called The Last Word, and I wanna look at a couple of quotes that are rather shocking from his book. The first one says, I want atheism to be true. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers, people who believe in the very real existence of God. Professor Nagel is bothered. He's made uneasy when he looks around and he sees some of the greatest minds across all the different disciplines, history and science and astronomy and philosophy who are strong believers in God. But here's what I want to point out. Notice that he isn't made uneasy because atheism is true. He's made uneasy because he wants atheism to be true. And if you're afraid that I just pulled a quote randomly to make my point, he goes on to say in the same book, it isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right. It's that I hope there is no God. I hope. That sounds a lot like faith that there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Now these are pretty shocking statements from a hardcore atheist, but I bring them up because this is the exact kind of honesty that I'm asking for today because there is a huge difference between I don't believe it and I don't want to believe it. Today we're gonna to be talking about the difference between I don't believe it and I don't want to believe it. Two very different things. And I know the difference between these two point of views very personally because there were about three years of my life where I was already a believer. I'd put my faith in Jesus to be in a relationship with God, but during those three years, I did not want 
to believe in God. It would have been very convenient for there to be no God because I was living like hell. I was in active rebellion and active disobedience against everything that I knew to be right and it was causing a lot of shame and a lot of depression and I wanted to push it all to the side. My problem was I already believed but I did not want to believe. You see, if we're honest, there are very, 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 very few people who really just don't believe in God. Now, you may think that you are in that camp or some people in your lives may believe that they're in that camp, but you should consider that if that is your stance, I objectively do not believe in God, then the burden of proof is now on you. This means that you have objectively looked at both sides without bias of the question of whether or not there is God. You've probed in to the greatest minds on both sides of the issue. If you're saying it's about I don't believe, not I don't want to believe, I truly don't believe, then that means that you are scientifically, historically, biologically, physiologically, philosophically convinced for yourself against the existence of God, and that's just not where we start. You see, people's problem with the idea of God doesn't start with research. It starts with their own current reality. It's not that they went out and built a case against God. It's that something happened to them. They were hurt by God. They were disappointed. They were disillusioned with God. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're a strong believer right now You don't feel like this talk is for you because things are going well and you're on fire for God, but you might want to consider that almost every great hero of the Christian faith has faced a crisis in their faith at some point. Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, the disciples who actually walked and talked with Jesus went into crisis of faith. It wasn't about research, it was about reality. It was what had happened to them. Maybe you lost the only person who really believed in you or who really ever loved you. Maybe you're struggling with crippling depression and you don't understand why God won't come and take it away miraculously. And so you don't wanna believe in God. Maybe you see the divisiveness and the racism that is escalating across our country and across our world and you see good people suffering and you wonder why a God would let that happen. I don't wanna believe in God anymore. You know, maybe when you did believe, you believed in a prosperity God. You believed in the Oprah Winfrey God. And so you started coming to church every once in a while and you thought God was gonna be like, now you get a car and you get a car and you're gonna fall in love with the woman of your dreams and you can jump on Oprah God's couch and say, I'm in love, I'm in love. But now you fast forward a few months and you're broke and you're single and you don't wanna believe in God anymore. It doesn't start with research, it starts with our current reality. Things happen and we don't wanna believe. We start with our bias. Unfortunately, not wanting to believe in something isn't really a good enough reason to not believe. So when you have your bias, then you go and you do just enough research and you learn just enough atheistic one-liners to keep like crazy religious abuela at bay when you have family reunions. And you call it good, your decision has been made. Blaise Pascal, who was a 17th century mathematician, a guy I've talked about here on stage several times, has an incredible quote. He says, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. 
People almost always arrive at what they believe, not based on proof, but on what they find attractive. What he's saying is that people decide their beliefs not based on truth, but based on what makes us happy. And the inherent problem with the human race is that people are not on a quest for truth, we are on a quest for happiness. We want relief, we want happiness, we want to experience life our way, and we want it now. And so maybe you're thinking, look, you don't know me, bro, all right? I, I don't prioritize happiness over truth. I am a truth person all the way. And so I want you to do something as we're being brutally honest with ourselves. I want you to think about the last argument that you had. Really think, think about the last time you were in a very tense, serious argument, and wait for it, where you were definitely wrong. Because this happens, it happens to all of us. We get in a heated argument with our spouse, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our coworker, and we're exchanging ideas. And then there's a moment where they give you a line, they say something, and a little light bulb comes on in your head where you realize, oh crap, they're right. <laughs> and so since we're all the exception to the rule, and we're all on a crusade for truth, we all in that moment, in your argument that's in your mind right now, just conceded the point, because we're not about happiness, it's not about winning the argument, it's about truth, right? No, as soon as we realize we're wrong, we argue even harder, hoping that our confidence can somehow bend reality in the room. Even after they've looked it up on their phone, we don't care, we'll argue with Google. <laughs> we're not on a quest for truth, we're on a quest for happiness. There's undeniably something in our human nature that will avoid even considering the truth if we think that it will impede on our current happiness. And maybe that just causes like some minor scuffles in your relationships or your marriages, or maybe it like creates some tension at work. But in the conversation we're having today about whether or not a God actually exists, there are eternal implications on the line. And so what is this, like this energy inside of us that causes us not to look when we're afraid at what we might see? What is it that causes us to avoid the truth when we think that it will impede on our happiness? What is it that causes us not to want to believe? Well, I'm sure there are countless things at the surface level that we could talk about today, but I wanna drill down into what I believe are the two roots of why people don't want to believe in the idea of the existence of God. The two main things that are causing you to avoid the truth of God, the first thing is that if there is a God, then I am guilty. And guilt is definitely a hindrance to our personal happiness. And so could it be that you, like all of us, have some pretty significant skeletons in your closet that are too big and they're too embarrassing and you're afraid if you pulled the lid off of them that you honestly may not be able to survive. You see, we don't want to believe in God because if there is no God, then our past is simply full of mistakes. And what's the big deal? Everyone makes mistakes. But if there is God, then it's a different situation altogether. The Bible says that everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. If there is a God, then your past isn't simply full of mistakes, your past is full 
of sin. You are guilty. The key word in this verse is the word standard. If there is a God, then there is an objective standard that we are all held to for truth and for morality. If there is no God, if we can convince ourselves we don't want to believe in God, then there is now no objective standard for what is right and what is wrong. And that may sound crazy to you, but if you take a step back and look at the world we're living in, there's an increasing number of people who are living with that exact worldview. They say that there is no objective standard for truth that includes morality. Everything is relative. What is right and what is wrong is based on your unique place in the world and your unique time in history and what the culture around you is uniquely doing. And so let me say something that may come across kind of harsh, but it's the reality. This line of thinking that morality itself is relative to who you are and where you are and what everyone else is doing, that line of thinking worked great for the plantation owners and terribly for the slaves that were making their money. That line of thinking worked great for the German Nazis and terrible for the Jews who were being bussed into concentration camps. You see, moral relativity, the lack of an objective standard for right and wrong, it may seem like it works for a while. You can just move right on past guilt and shame on your road to your own personal happiness. However, all of that falls apart the moment you become a victim yourself. The moment that you are the one who is mistreated or enslaved or objectified or bullied, all of a sudden it becomes very clear to you that there is in fact some kind of standard for morals in the world. And not only that, but you are more than happy to help find the guilty party and make sure that they pay. See, many of us have been avoiding faith. We don't want to believe in God because if there is a God, then we have to face up to our own guilt. We have to acknowledge that our past isn't simply full of mistakes or some decisions that we kind of regret, but that in fact, our past is full of very real sin with very real consequences. And this brings us to the second reason that the very root of why people don't want to believe. Because if there is a God, not only am I guilty, but I am also accountable. If being guilty is hard to swallow, then being accountable is even worse. The idea that all the decisions I make in my life are being held accountable by some invisible entity out there is not very appealing. But that is exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says that the wages, the price, the cost of our sin is death, and not just temporary death in these bodies that we're living in, but eternal death, eternal separation from everything that is good and everything that is perfect. We don't like that. We wanna be the captain of our own ship. We wanna be the determiners of our own destiny. I'll do it my way. Nobody else needs to tell me what to do. I will manage the outcome. I will manage the consequences. But here's the problem. Unaccountable people always make regretful decisions. And you know this. If you have ever dropped your sweet, precious little angel babies off with the grandparents for a week, and they come back as like these little terrorists, it's because no one has said no for a whole week. There's been no accountability. And then you grow up. And when people don't hold banks accountable for their policies, entire countries go into financial ruin. 
And when the people all throughout history who are at the top level of society aren't held accountable for their actions, the rich get richer and the poor always go into desolation. Unaccountable people always make regretful decisions and so we're stuck because we need accountability but we don't want accountability. We are guilty but we don't wanna feel guilty. The real problem is that if we admit that there is God, then we have to submit to God. If we admit there is God, we have to submit to God. And we don't like this. We don't like the idea of knowing that we're guilty and we definitely don't wanna be held accountable to all of the things that we've done in our life. We prioritize happiness over the truth, but the question we have to unpack is, is it really working? As we look at the suicide rates in our country that continue to climb, I just read something that is so tragic for the first time ever. The teen suicide rate has surpassed the teen homicide rate. Teens are now killing themselves at a higher rate than teenagers are killing each other. As you look around and almost a fourth of adults in our country are at one point on antidepressants, our all-out search for happiness is spiraling us into an epidemic depression. We see racism and divisiveness on the rise, marriages continuing to fall apart. We're not looking at the truth because the truth gets in the way of our happiness, but ultimately our quest for happiness is ruining us. And so maybe there's more to seeking the truth than meets the eye. And so today I'm asking for honesty. Because if you can acknowledge to yourself, you don't have to tell 10 people, you don't have to put it on Facebook. If you can just acknowledge to yourself that perhaps the problem isn't really God's existence, the problem is your resistance. The problem isn't God's existence, it's your resistance. It's not about not believing, it's about not wanting to believe. If you can admit that today and just take that one baby step, you will crack open the door to being a part of the most amazing story in the world. It's the epic story of God pursuing a relationship with you even though you have fallen so short of his own standards. If you're willing to admit that maybe you don't just not believe, you don't want to believe, then you are now exactly where you need to be because if Jesus was correct, then if there is God, there is forgiveness. In fact, all of your rebellion and all of your mistakes and all of the mess that you look at in regret and shame from your past now becomes the platform for God to show you just how much he loves you. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ came and he died for us. And this is what we call the gospel. It's the good news for our hurting and broken world because yes, you are guilty and yes, you are accountable and yes, the cost of your sins is your own life. But in the most amazing story of all time, God sent his son Jesus to this earth to give his life for yours. God demonstrated his love for us by dying not in spite of our sins, but because of it. And so the question is, do you really wanna live the rest of your life desperately trying not to believe? Because if there's a God, you're guilty and you're accountable, but because there is a God, there is forgiveness for your sins and there is a relationship with a perfect and loving God. Listen, the question of this series isn't who wants God, it's who needs God. And the answer is 
Everyone needs God. I need God. Maybe you've come here today as a skeptic. Maybe you left the faith a while ago because of something that you experienced or something that happened to you. Or maybe you've spent most of your life avoiding the idea of faith. And if you're there today, I'm betting that there is something stirring inside of you right now. That there is something drawing you to consider whether or not living the rest of your life not wanting to believe is really a good enough argument. That maybe if there is a God and he really has a plan and all of your guilt and all of your shame and all of your heartache and all of the junk that you hate to look back on in your past really can't have purpose. It really can be redeemed into something beautiful. There is forgiveness. There is a relationship with a God who really loves you. I want to ask you guys to stand with me. What I want to do is just say a prayer for you. And then we'll talk about a couple of things before we're dismissed. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you uh, for this group of people the people watching online, our friends in the video cafe, the people who make up this thing we call City Church. And God, that they have built a culture where we can come and we can wrestle with these difficult conversations, where we can ask our hardest questions and know that there is grace to work these things out. God, if there's someone who is ready today to acknowledge that you are real. And I pray that they would consider putting their faith, believing in your son, Jesus. And so if you're here today and you feel something pulling you towards this belief, I wanna give you a simple prayer that you can pray to acknowledge your belief in Jesus that will seal you into a relationship with God for eternity. You can pray a prayer just like this. You can say, God, thank you for loving me. I believe that you're real. I believe in Jesus. And I want to have a relationship with you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.